The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of May is my friends over at Banner of Truth Trust. The Banner of Truth Trust is a Christian organization which publishes books, organizes conferences, and publishes a monthly magazine. Their objective is the promotion, advancement, and dissemination of better knowledge and understanding of the history and the doctrines of the true biblical Christian faith. They seek to inform, encourage, strengthen, and equip ordinary Christians and have a particular concern for ministers and pastors and those training for the ministry. While the banner is most well known for the promotion of the best Christian literature from the past and the present, men in the ministry should know about their minister's conference, one held in Pennsylvania at the end of May and the other near L.A. in the middle of October. The banner hosts simple conferences focused on the preaching of the word, prayer, fellowship, and of course, heavenly discounted Banner of Truth Trust books. Learn more about their books and conferences at thebanneroftruth.org. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 41. I want to talk to you today about the complementarian pastor, and I'm going to introduce a series it's going to be a six to seven part series on complementarianism, and I want to talk just about a better way to speak about complementarianism, a more biblical way, and I just want us to not be embarrassed about what the Bible says about gender. So you're going to have to bear with me. I do have a cold, and I may cough here and there, but just hang in there with me, and we'll uh, hopefully, joyfully get through this together. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your mercy that's new every morning, fresh every morning, And I ask that you would make yourself known to these men and women who are listening to this podcast today. And God, I ask that as I'm walking through this, that you would encourage these men and women to think biblically about gender and sexuality and all of these things. And pastors, I just ask that you would help them to think clearly because they're going to have to speak into this in their congregations and in their cities. And so I pray that you'd help them to think laser sharply about what the Bible says about men and women. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in the past, let me show you kind of a negative way or tell you kind of a negative way that I spoke about complementarianism. I used to say it like this. Men and women are created equal, but we're different. And so even though there was an affirmation on the front end of equality, the next word out of my mouth was a but to the negative, but different. And the Bible speaks of gender in a far different way, in a far more positive way, because it speaks of gender in this way. Men and women are created equal, and we're created so much more. We're created as male and female, masculine and feminine. You see the difference? One way, it shapes it up in toward the negative. Men and women are created equal, but different. The other way is men and women are created equal, and so much more. As male and female, God has bestowed dignity beyond equality. In fact, if you just stay at equality like the egalitarians do, you actually present a, a rather demeaning view of gender and an unbiblical view of gender, I might add, to everybody that's listening. Because equality seems to, tries to, elevate the equality of women, but actually it says to women, in reality, you can be and do all a man is and does. And the question remains, it kind of hangs in the air, but what is a woman? What is a man? 
because egalitarianism strips masculinity and femininity away from the man and the woman, and it creates just kind of this general mass of humanity, this asexual mass of humanity, and then we wonder why we're confused. Gender confusion started in the church, and the world now represents decade upon decade of saying equality, 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 because that in the minds of the feminist and egalitarians means, I mean, clearly egalitarian same. Everything's just the same. We're all just human. But we're so much more than humans. So don't, don't be demeaning. The Bible actually gives and bestows dignity well beyond equality. Don't just stay at equality. That is horrific. We're so much more than equal. And we see this in the Bible, clearly. In Genesis, we're created. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Now, this is not a definition of humankind to be politically correct today. We are mankind. God created man, and man has a definition. Humanity, image of God, male, female, fully equal, and gendered, bestowed dignity beyond baseline humanity. Now, you see this before and after the fall where God speaks to men and women. Now, sometimes we need to turn our ears when God is speaking. Sometimes God speaks to humanity. He speaks to male and female. He gives the creation mandate to both the man and the woman. But then sometimes God is speaking to simply the man. He's recognizing the gender and speaking to the man. And then other times in the Bible, God is speaking to the woman. And when he's speaking to the woman, he's not speaking to the man. When he's speaking to the man, he's not speaking to the woman. And then when he's speaking to both of them, he's speaking... I mean, this isn't rocket science, folks. This is common sense. And if God is saying things to men, women don't need to rise up and say, well, yeah, he's saying that to us too. No, he's not. And if he's saying things to women, men should not rise up and say, yeah, he's saying that to us too. No, he's not. We have to know just basic understanding of language. If he's speaking to young children, that means he's not speaking to adults. He's speaking to children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Meaning, children, obey your parents. Come on, folks. Let's be real about what the Bible has to say here. So men and women are created fully equal and gendered. We see this even after the fall when God begins to speak to the serpent and he addresses the serpent. When he's speaking to the serpent, he's not speaking to the man or the woman. And then he begins to speak to the woman. And when he's bringing judgment upon the woman, multiply your pain and childbearing, he's not speaking to the man. And then when he's speaking to, to Adam, the curse is the ground is cursed because of you. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread like the, your thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. He's speaking to Adam. So we need to recognize that God speaks to gender. And so this fall presents for us this interesting thing where the image of God is still there upon humanity, both male and female, but the image of God is marred. And we see by being male and by being female, because of the fall, we need to watch, and we're going to look before and after the fall, we need to watch for sin propensities, and we need to be aware of sin propensities. And by being aware of these sin propensities in both the male and female, we can also see what Jesus did for us and see how Jesus um, came to fulfill what Adam and Eve, what Adam, see, dropped the ball, we see Adam prevailing. And I think it was R.C. Sproul had the really great tweet. Also, R.C. Sproul Jr. said, where the first Adam said, don't blame me, blame my wife. The second Adam came and said, don't blame my wife, blame me. Just amazing. So he came and succeeded for humanity, both male and female. He obeyed perfectly. 
But we want to look at, I want to look at specific masculine and feminine sins. And today, it is quite popular, and it is, it is definitely okay in our world to speak about masculine sins, sins of men that they need to be looking out for. But what's not okay in our world, and I'm going to do it, is talking about feminine sins. And if we don't talk about feminine sins, then we actually aren't treating our female sisters as equal. We're absolutely not. We're not treating them as being fully human because we're withholding from them information they need to be aware of and look out for and that they can see Jesus did before them. So masculine sin propensities. You've probably heard this before. Uh, good old Mark Driscoll preached on this, you know, several years ago. And we see in Genesis chapter chapter 2, or in Genesis chapter 3, masculine sins. We see a weak-willed passivity. Weak-willed passivity. Eve took of the fruit after the enemy had deceived her and was saying, hey, did God really say? And Eve bought into that lie, and Adam was right there with her, and he did not stomp the head of the serpent. He did not protect his wife. He let his wife listen to the voice of the enemy rather than listen to, rather than listen to the voice of God. And she took of the fruit, and she ate. And he was right there with her, and he did not protect her. He did not protect her. And as shameful as it is for a man in the home to not protect his family, to say, wife, honey, you run out there and protect protect us from this intruder, or children, you jump up there, son, daughter, you jump up there and protect us from their children. It's absolutely shameful. And that principle, by the way, has application in the church and the world, that we don't throw our women and children out to be protectors. Men are called to be protectors. And this is what Adam didn't do in the garden. He did not step up into his responsibility. It was a weak-willed passivity. Honey, you do this. You fight the enemy. He put his wife out in front to fight instead of him fighting. And then the second sin propensity that we see is an overbearing chauvinism. In Genesis 3.16, when God brought judgment down on Eve, he said that your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now there's question on desire shall be for your husband, how to understand that. But there isn't question on how to understand he shall rule over you. The ruling over her is not a good kind of rule. It is a domineering kind of rule. And down through the history, unfortunately, we have seen bad men treat women badly. And we still see it this day, from spousal abuse to just all over the news, and men using their strength instead of for protection, for harming. And men were built to be protectors, not to harm people. And so we have these propensities that we need to look out for, men. And by the grace of God, Jesus came and showed us and was the perfect example of not doing these things. He came to actually fight for his bride and stomp the head of the serpent. And he died in our place for our sins. He was responsible where he should be responsible. He used his strength and his power in the right way to protect. And he wasn't overbearing with people. He was not chauvinistic. He treated women with respect, and he loved all people, and he came to live and die for his bride. And so Jesus shows us this perfect example. And we need to be aware of this, of weak-willed passivity and overbearing chauvinism. So what about feminine sins and, and pastors? This is where I want to encourage you to really press into this, even if you have, and, and typically the reason why, why pastors don't do this is because they're scared of five or six women in the church. Pastor, don't be scared of those five women in your church. Don't be scared of the looks that you may get or the people who may walk out. Address feminine sins because the Bible does. Don't be scared of the women in your church. Feminine sins, number one, propensity towards deception. 
we get this in Genesis chapter 3. Just like there's two primary sin propensities for for men, there are two primary sin propensities in women, and then there are many, many secondary, third, fourth, fifth uh, issues to deal with for both men and women that are all through the pages of the Scripture. But these sin propensities are really rise to the surface in Genesis 2 and 3. But number one, propensity toward deception. We see this in Genesis chapter 3 where Eve heard the deceiving voice of the enemy and listened. Did God really say? And Eve wondered, well, did God really say? Is God holding back on me? Are my plans, do I have plans that are better than God's plans? We see this all over the Instagram world. Mom theology, hashtag mom theology on Instagram is absolutely horrific. This explains this, 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 this propensity towards deception, why there's so much terrible theology in women's groups. It's just so bad. And I'm speaking in broad strokes, of course, but in most women's theology is really bad, even in reform circles. You have to help them see this. And they, by God's grace, many of them, because they are created in the image of God and following Jesus, break out of that. But there is a propensity towards deception that we have to be looking out for and remind women to say, hey, listen, you're playing, they get on Instagram and listen to stuff like this. Mom, you were somebody before you had kids and that woman matters. That crap is so foolish and so terrible, and women buy into this stuff hook, line, and sinker all the time. And we need to help them see that they need to listen to women like Rachel Jacobic and instead of Rachel Hollis, like listen to the right Rachel. You know, and listen to Rebecca Merkel, listen to their podcast, what have you. Read good books by both men and women about gender issues and just be students of the word. Encourage your women to read the Bible and fight that propensity towards deception. The second of the feminine sins that I want to look at is to either manipulate or control or for husband worship. And we get this in chapter 3.16 of Genesis. Your desire shall be for your husband. Some have argued because this word desire is used in chapter 4 of Genesis and then in the Song of Solomon. Some have argued from the Song of Solomon that this desire is a sexual desire. And I was preaching on this at our church, and one of the I said, I don't think this means sexual desire, just based on you know I don't, I don't know many wives that are running around prowling around, uh, ready to tackle their husbands. Now I know they're out there, but we had a gentleman in the back who said Amen to that, and we all had a good laugh out of it. Uh, the ladies did as well, but this word desire is used in chapter four, verse seven. When God is telling Cain, sin's desire for you is to rule over you, but you must is sin is crouching at the door, and its desire for, is for you, and you must rule over it. And uh, in the 1970s, there was an article that came out addressing that word desire and believing that it, it meant, and I think it's right, even though this came out in the 70s, I think it's right, that there is this desire in ladies, this propensity to manipulate or control from behind the scenes, to try to crouch at the door and just wait to pounce on their husbands when their husbands fail, that this is a sin propensity. It's not in every woman, but these are propensities that are there in women to look out for. Um, or the way to look at that verse is that it's for husband. The desire is for her husband instead of being for her God. So she's going to expect her husband to give to her what only God was intended to give, what only God can give. And so these sin propensities we need to be aware of. And so pastors, you need a language strong enough and biblical enough to be able to speak to gender in our world today. And you're going to be mocked possibly. I mean, if you speak about the Bible, then eventually people will say about you what they say about the Bible. And they're going to say you're misogynistic and you look at this. You can't believe you're talking to women in this way, blah, 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 blah. 
whatever, be biblical and you're going to be okay. So speak to masculine and feminine glory, being created in the image of God, more than just asexual human beings, and then show them masculine and feminine sins. Because if you don't see that, then we're going to have men and women running around there not knowing what to look out for. And then next, I'm going to talk about the next week, talk about masculine glory. The next week, talk about feminine glory. And then we'll talk about how this plays itself out in the home, in the church. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.